Hello, my name is Jody Lee Mott, and welcome to Dream Gardens, where we talk up the kids' books we love. On this twice-monthly podcast, I interview other kids' books enthusiasts, such as writers, teachers, and librarians, about their own favorite children's books. This week's poem is Welcome to the Night by Joyce Sidman. It's from her poetry book, Dark Emperor and Other Poems of the Night. This is illustrated by Rick Allen, and it was also nominated for a Newbery Award. She's written several poetry books for kids, including Ubiquitous, Celebrating Nature Survivors, uh, which was named a Best Book of the Year by both Publishers Weekly and Kirkus Reviews, as well as Song of the Water Boatman and Other Pond Poems, and Eureka, Poems About Inventors. Welcome to the Night by Joyce Sidman. To all of you who crawl and creep, who buzz and chirp and hoot and peep, who wake at dusk and throw off sleep, welcome to the night. To you who make the forest sing, who dip and dodge on silent wing, who flutter, hover, clasp and cling, welcome to the night. Come feel the cool and shadowed breeze, come smell your way among the trees, come touch rough bark and leathered leaves, welcome to the night. The night's a sea of dappled dark, the night's a feast of sound and spark. The night's a wild, enchanted park. Welcome to the night. My guests today are Annabeth Bonderstone and Connor White, co-authors of the middle grade novels Shivers, the Pirate Who's Afraid of Everything, and Shivers, the Pirate Who's Back in Bunny Slippers, as well as Time Tracers, which will be released this spring. In addition, Annabeth and Connor do a joint school assembly program and have produced several videos about the writing process for kids. You can find Annabeth and Connor's website at AnnabethAndConnor.com. Uh, thank you both for joining me today. Thanks for having us, Jody. Thanks. We're happy to be here. As I mentioned, you've got a, a new book, a Time Tracers, coming out this spring. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Absolutely. So um, this book is about where time goes when it flies. I think a lot of people know the feeling time flies when you're having fun. And we sort of started with that question. Where does it go? Where does it disappear to? Um, and we thought it'd be fun if instead of it just disappearing, that it actually gets stolen. Um, so we created a new middle grade novel about a, a kid named Taj who is really fun and is planning the most fun summer of all time. And he falls asleep on the first night of summer and he wakes up and it is the dreaded first day of school and his entire summer vacation has been stolen. And so he has to go find it. And in the process, he discovers more about the fact that time doesn't fly when you're having fun. It gets stolen. Hmm. And when does it come out this spring? It comes out May 1st. May 1st. And you also have or will have a uh, new book in your uh, your Shivers uh, series coming out uh, next year. Is that correct? Uh, That's yes. right. Is that uh, done already or is there something you can tell us about that as well? Yeah, so the next uh, Shivers book is the third in the series. It's called Shivers, the pirate book you've been looking for. And uh, Shivers, is, as the, the title of the first one says, is a pirate who is terrified of absolutely everything. And in this book, Shivers is cursed, and he must break the curse before his next birthday. The only problem is his next birthday is tomorrow. And how does this book fit into the series, the other books um, that you've written? In every Shivers book, Shivers is so afraid that he's trying to avoid adventure at all costs. But in every book, he has to go on a brand new adventure with his best friend, who is a brave third grader named Margot. 
Yeah, and his pet fish slash first mate, Albie. So this is just a brand new adventure for Shivers. It uh, continues to take him on many journeys that he finds terrifying. Now, with these two books and uh, the uh, previous ones that I've mentioned, uh, your co-authors, I'm just wondering, how does that process work? How do two people write a, a book together? That's a great question. It is a long, slow, and very fun process. Uh, I think some co-authors or co-writer writing teams split up the work. We do everything together. Yeah, Connor and I have very different writing voices and writing strengths, so we like to sit down together and write everything together so that we make sure the book comes out really balanced. And so we'll really talk through every problem together, every sentence together. And the great thing about working with a partner, especially when you're writing funny books, is that it's so easy to bounce jokes off the other person. And it's so much harder when you're sitting alone to really figure out if something's funny. I mentioned, too, that you do school visits, assembly programs, and also also produce several videos for kids talking about the writing process. And if you want to explain what one might look forward to in a school visit or some of the videos that you've done. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, just to back up uh, really quick, the idea for Shivers uh, actually came from a kid. It came from Annabeth's nine-year-old cousin named Harrison. Um, He emailed us several years ago and said, hey, I've read all the funny books for kids my age. How about you guys write me one? Here's an idea. A pirate named Shivers who's afraid of everything. And we thought it was such a great idea that we wrote it as a present for Harrison. And so when we started touring the books, uh, we realized we had this really awesome opportunity, not just to read or perform part of the book, but also to tell that story and to let kids know that they, even though they are young people, they already have ideas that are great enough to become published works. So what we did was we sort of uh, created a show that we took on the road where that was sort of one-third a uh, performance of the books, one-third creative writing lesson, and one-third an improv show to bring kids' ideas to life right away. And we smashed it together into what we hope was the most entertaining and hilarious hour of elementary school the kids had had. And the video series, uh, how did that start and uh, where do you see it going from here? That's a great question. So our video series is called The Truth About Libraries, and it's a series that we hope will use comedy to inspire kids to read and to visit their local library, because there are so many amazing libraries all over the country and all over the world, uh, and we decided to start with the libraries in our own backyard, which is Los Angeles. So we visit libraries all over L.A., and I find out what makes the library special. And Connor plays a library skeptic. Yeah, you know, uh, free books, nice librarians, air conditioning. Something's going on, and I'm going to get to the bottom of it. So, so far, we've interviewed a lot of amazing librarians in Los Angeles. And our hope is to actually go beyond the library uh, in the way that you might traditionally think of it. So, we are planning an episode that takes place at the little free libraries that you see. You might see them. I don't know if you have them. In people's front yards. Yeah, you see them in people's front yards. You, I mean, we see them all over L.A., so those are outdoor libraries. We want to film at a library conference and interview all the librarians when they're sort of gathered together talking about the future of libraries. So there are so many different parts of the library to explore, and we're really looking forward to doing that. Yeah, and each library has its own sort of unique gifts to the world. We went to a library that, 
that uh, where you can check out a ukulele. We went to a library where um, the, li- the children's librarian has a book bike, and she bikes all over town giving out books to kids all over the place. So there's just like there's some really cool idiosyncratic little wonders of every library, and we want to sort of dig into those. That sounds like a very interesting project. It's a lot of fun. You know, yeah. we have a blast, and, and there's just so much... The nice thing about the children's literature world, you know, from everywhere from publishers to librarians is there's so much passion in it. And people, you know, they just genuinely care uh, about um, kids learning and um, and having a, a really positive experience. And we hope to to add to that. And it's it's a it's just so fun to get to interview people in in that world. Now, the book you chose as one of your favorites is the middle grade book, Sideways Stories from Wayside School by uh, Lewis Sacker, originally published in 1978 by Avalon Camelot Books. Uh, For readers who might not have had the chance to uh, read this particular book yet, can you tell them uh, roughly what it's about? Yeah, so we, we love this book. It is a very, very funny book, and it is 30 different stories, all from a school called the Wayside School, which was a school that was built, supposed to be built sideways, but it was actually built one classroom per story, and so it's 30 stories tall, um, and all of the stories come from the very top floor, and so there's just uh, hilarious short stories about the, the students, about the different teachers, and we both picked this book immediately because even though Annabeth grew up in New York, and I grew up in New Mexico. Uh, it was our both of our favorite book as a kid, and we just really look up to Lewis Sacker for his ability to uh, capture these incredible characters in, in such a funny way. Yeah, when we first started writing children's books, Lewis Sacker really leapt to the forefront of our minds as such an inspiration. And uh, what do you think for young readers who might come across this book for the first time? What do you think the the appeal is it for, especially for those young readers? It's the comedy and the humor. It the way that he embraces silliness and always pushes an idea to its most absurd conclusion is so much fun as a kid to read. And I have such great memories of the first time I read this book not even really knowing that that kind of silliness was allowed in books and just really loving being along for the ride as he puts all of these crazy ideas into all the different chapters. Yeah. And when I was younger, I was a bit of a reluctant reader and I, I loved the short story format. It's on, it's honestly, it moves too quickly to ever get bored and you're jumping from character to character. Um, and it, before you know it, you've read a whole book, and that is a great feeling to some, to you know, a second grader who doesn't finish books all the time. Do you think most kids reading this book would think of this school as a place they'd like to go to, or would they think to themselves, you know, my school doesn't seem so bad after all? <laughs> that is a great question. question. I think that most kids would want to at least meet these characters, if not go to the school. Agreed. Now, one character that appears in a lot of the uh, stories is uh, Mrs. Jules. Yes. Um, and she has this, what you might call a unique teaching style. Um, and I'm just wondering how she fits in as a character in all these, uh, in each of these uh, stories. And, well, what kind of teacher would you, how would you describe her? Mrs. Jules, I think her best quality is her patience and her open-mindedness. A lot of these different kids in the school have really different learning styles. And Mrs. Jules is always making the effort to meet them halfway. So even if she's trying to teach them an idea 
that they can't really wrap their heads around. She keeps at it, and she's always really creative. One of the stories that comes to mind for me is a story called Mauricia, and Mauricia loves ice cream, and then she gets disillusioned with ice cream because she's tried all the flavors. So Mrs. Jules is so dedicated to her students that she actually goes home works the, the entire night and makes Mauricia-flavored ice cream and brings it into school the next day. And I think that's some amazing dedication. And I think he does a great job of finding uh, the comic opposite uh, in all of the characters, Mrs. Jules included. So the teacher is new to this, um, to this classroom, and they're all concerned that she is going to be mean because their last teacher was mean. And that seems like a very common concern for kids. And so Lewis Sacker flips it on its head, and she is instead so unbelievably kind uh, that it actually turns into a joke right off the right from the beginning. Now, there's another character that shows up in a lot of the stories, the character of Lewis, who turns out to be the author of the book himself. He made himself a character in the book. And I'm just wondering what you thought about how he portrays himself and why he might have made himself a character in his own book. One thing that jumped out at me immediately when I was reading this book as a kid is how Lewis, the author, has such a great sense of humor about himself when it comes to Lewis, the character. I feel like he's really willing to let Lewis be a little bit out of his element. And the last line of the whole book is Lewis telling the kids a story, and they all boo him. So that just really reflects such a willingness to let the kids have the control in the situation and let, you know, make fun of himself a little bit, which I really, I remember finding that really appealing when I was a kid. And it's something that we bring into our school visits now, I think, too. You know, we like to to let the kids make fun of us and give them the reins. One of the important things about writing comedy is being willing and able to laugh at yourself um, and and see yourself as just as absurd as you may see other people or other characters in your book. And that is certainly true in our, you know, something we strive to do both in our writing and then in our live performances as well is, is letting the kids be right and letting them see you be wrong uh, can be just as powerful a tool as just telling them the right answer. Now, when I was rereading this book, it had been a while since I uh, read it, it reminded me of an, another book I did a podcast earlier this year, uh, Alice in Wonderland. Both books don't have a traditional narrative. There's this absurdist sense of humor. They have strange characters doing strange things that sometimes don't make much sense. And no one seems to be bothered by it too much or finds it all that unusual. Uh, And I was thinking, you actually don't see a lot of books uh, like this out. And in some ways, uh, a book like this that doesn't seem to have form is actually kind of hard to pull off and get right. And no, what do you think is it about uh, a book that doesn't seem that seems kind of formless, uh, and or at least the authors make it seem easy, but it isn't really. When I was rereading this, just in preparation for our conversation, I was really noticing how well the author sets the reader's expectations up for the absurdity, which is why we want to share the introduction of the book because it. I think if the reader is prepared to go on a wild ride and if some parameters are set up, then you can really push the boundaries. And he does a phenomenal job of that in a very short and seemingly simple introduction. Yeah, and it's really important to, to, you know, I agree. I think there aren't enough books like this um, and that if you establish the 
rules of the world right off the bat, you can get away with a lot, and it can be a very silly and wild roller coaster. For instance, when we wrote Shivers, you know, it's about a, a world where pirates coexist with people. Uh, the pirates in New, Jersey. In, in New Jersey, on the beach in New Jersey, and either you're a pirate or you're you're a landlubber, and you know, we established this early on that these, this is not a kid pretending to be a pirate. This is a pirate. And, and, and once you establish those rules, you can, you can really be absurd in a way that still feels like it's making sense. And that, I think, hopefully, hopefully. That's what and, we try to do. And that's what Lewis Sacker does, uh, I think, extremely well. Like I said, there's a lot of silliness going on. But is there a, you think, a point buried somewhere in this novel? Is the, or is the point precisely that there's no point? Or in other words, if this is a satire, is he satirizing something? First of all, I, I do think I do think one of the messages of this book, as I talked a little bit about before, is that kids learn in all different ways and they process the world in all different ways. And this book is a celebration of that. It the world that he that the author creates mirrors the way a kid's mind can look at something differently. And I think it takes it really seriously and it gives it respect. And I think that that's a really important message without needing to necessarily have a moral to each individual short story. Earlier, you mentioned about uh, one of your favorite parts. Oh, Mauricia. Mauricia. And I was thinking, you know, when I was reading the book, one of my favorites was the story of Calvin, who has to deliver the note to Mrs. Zarves on yes. the 19th floor. Problem being, of course, there's no 19th floor and no Mrs. Zarves. I was wondering, besides uh, the character you mentioned, do you have another particular favorite character or story out of the book? Well, I actually was going to say Calvin. I love that story, and it's a classic. I don't know if we can we turn Lewis Sacker's name into like an adjective, a Sakarian uh, a Sicarian <laughs> yeah. trick where it's almost like you're taking, he takes the wrong path and ends up in the right place where you are delivering a note to a, a floor that doesn't exist to a teacher who doesn't exist. And, and you don't even have you the don't note. don't even have the note. And so, you know, how could this possibly end up all right? Well, at the end, the note said, don't do something. Don't meet me for lunch. And uh, so Calvin can just say, she won't, you know, and it's sort of it's that backwards logic that ends up somehow, <laughs> you know, you, you end up landing on your feet at the end. And that's a, an incredible, I think, trick to play. And he does follow it up with the 19th chapter. Yes. Yes, there is no 19th story. There is no Missarves. And so there is no 19th chapter either. Now, uh, you mentioned earlier about uh, the introduction t to the book. That's one, something you wanted to read and share with us that would be great yeah let's jump right in because it's a it's a, just a great it just sets it off at a, on a great tone here we go this book contains 30 stories about children and teachers at wayside school but before we get to them there is something you ought to know so that you don't get confused wayside school was accidentally built sideways it was supposed to be only one story high with 30 classrooms all in a row Instead, it is 30 stories high, with one classroom on each story. The children at Wayside like having a sideways school. They have an extra-large playground. The children and teachers described in this book all go to class on the top floor, so there are 30 stories from the 30th story of Wayside School. It has been said that these stories are strange and silly. That is probably true. However, when I told stories about you to the children at Wayside, they thought you were strange and silly. That is also probably true. 
And that's it. How do you think that sets up the book? Well, first of all, you get the form reflecting the content immediately. So you have this idea of a sideways school. So you immediately know that the logic in here might be a little sideways. You might get a little bit of a silly, absurd tone. You also have the 30 stories of the building reflecting the 30 literal stories in the book. So you have that amazing wordplay of the stories of a building and the stories in a book, which, again, as a kid, it was like seeing a magic trick to read this. Yeah, and again, like sort of like I was saying earlier with, you know, you sort of you sort of land on your feet at the end. It, it's like, well, this could be weird, but he told the kids there about me and maybe I'm weird too. And that's really the brilliance of it cuz then all bets are off. <laughs> well, uh Annabeth and Connor, thank you so much for uh giving me a chance to reread this book. Like I said, it's been a while since I had a chance uh to read it and for taking the time to talk to me about it today. Oh, it was our pleasure. We could talk about Lewis Sacker until the cows come home yeah, or, or they go on more, the roof yeah, because, because that's what happens in the sequel. That's right. <laughs> well, thanks again. Thank you. Appreciate it, you can find Annabeth and Connor's website at annabethandconnor.com. Thank you for joining me on Dream Gardens. The theme music titled All Together is provided courtesy of Purple Planet Music. You can visit them at www.purpleplanet.com. Podcast cover art is provided by Creative Pro 180, courtesy of Fiverr, which can be found at www.fiverr.com. You can visit me at jleemott.com or follow me on Twitter at DreamGardensJLM. The Dream Gardens podcast is also available through iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, please comment, share, or subscribe. Until next time, keep dreaming, keep growing, and keep reading.